You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. Before we get to the show today, we've got our first real partner sponsor, Great Lakes Girya. So Girya is the Russian word for kettlebell. They have kettlebells in stock, which I know is a big issue in a lot of places. Really high quality bells, the Russian hard style, that range from as little as four kilos up to 96 kilos. Really love the quality. Handles are great. The part that's great is we got you a 5% discount. So if you go to greatlakesgearia.com, if you're here in Canada or in the United States, it's us.greatlakesgearia.com. And use the promo code LiveWild at checkout. You'll get 5% off. Um, and in addition to kettlebells, they have barbells. They have squat racks. They have dumbbells, maces, weighted clubs, chin-up bars, whole collection of gear. So uh, don't forget, if you want to get in shape, don't count on the gyms. They keep having to close. So set your gym up at home now and save some money on it. Welcome, everybody. Um, anybody that goes to our website might have seen the article I put up on how to start rock climbing. Uh, and uh, usually when we put up articles, we'll also do podcasts about it. So today we've got a special guest, Joe Castillo from uh, Climb Life. Uh, he's a climber, runs a business, is an author, although his book isn't out yet. But it's perfectly right up our alley because it's about <laughs> starting climbing, too. So welcome, Joe. Um, tell everybody where you are right now. Hey guys, uh, nice to meet you. I'm in Zion in Utah. Uh, this is probably my most favorite park. I've been coming here since I was eight years old as a little kid. Um, and I've been here usually two to three times a year. So, nice. yeah. Yeah. So if you want to hate Joe now, you can. Yeah. For anybody that's Just in lockdown wait. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> So people aren't familiar, Zion is a national park in Utah that boasts some of the most beautiful red sandstone walls. Um, You know, obviously probably the most famous climb in there is Moonlight Buttress, but there's hundreds and hundreds of climbs in there. Like Moonlight Buttress is 1,200 feet high. Uh, What's what's level? Five? Five, ten? No, it's like a 12B. Five, 12, yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Hard, not world-class hard, but still pretty freaking hard. But yeah. great protection because it's a crack that you climb. So um, you might need a, a dozen of the same size pieces because <laughs> it's yeah. a uniform crack. But, you know, whatever. Is that where you had your swing? No, oh, but okay. it was down in that area. It was, it? it was Indian Creek. Okay. And what's your favorite protection for that? It was a cam. Anyway, he, he thought he was going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's basically you, Utah's home of my biggest fall. It's like, how big? Uh, it was a 50 footer. Um, Whoa. <laughs> well, because it was the thing where all my small wires on like a traverse blew out. So I took like this, like one of, the, one of those ones, because as a climber, we all run into the thing at some point. You fall long enough that mm-hmm. you go, shouldn't I have stopped already? <laughs> And then it's like, oh, <laughs> um, God bless a 
Camelot number three, big blue, <laughs> saved my ass because <laughs> all the little wires I put in all just ripped out because, you know. It was just psychological. Yeah. <laughs> I So when I when I finally went up the next time, I just didn't bother because I was so pumped when I finally like traversed to the next crack that I couldn't. And it was just a beautiful hand crack. So once you're in it, you're fine. But I couldn't make the transition because I was too tired. Because yeah, popping and fiddling little nuts in kind of tires you out. So basically, the climb. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you went right back up. Well, I I sort of went, you know, caught my breath, uh, you know, kind of thing. But but it was a multi pitch climb, so it was like either keep going or bail. And I don't like leaving gear behind. So uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a a booty collector, not a booty lever. (laughs) If I can avoid it, you know. That's so, what I like to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Joe, um, the theme of this episode, obviously, is is how people can get into climbing. So before we get into the nitty gritty of that, how did you get into climbing? Um, I was really bored. I was 14 years old. Uh, and I just went to a climbing gym just for fun. I was like, oh, I just want to try something new. I'm from Southern California, so there's not a lot of good climbing in like Huntington Beach area so I just kind of started off at the gym and I got really lucky I had an uncle uh his name's Reinhardt Stenzel he was climbing for about 15 years he took like four years off before I started climbing uh, but he took me to my first trip to Joshua Tree oh wow uh, yeah I got really lucky because he already had all the gear he had all the stuff um and he kind of like grandfather me in so he kind of really taught me the ropes of how to like place gear how to build anchors so I was I didn't have to do any of the hard work of like where do I go he just kind of showed me how to do it and as I progressed into climbing I turned like 15 I started going more into the competition scene Mm -hmm. um, just like bouldering really hard and I did pretty good I made it to nationals one year when I was 17 um, but then I got caught with an injury, uh, a finger injury, and it took me out for about six months. So I took some time off and just started only bouldering outside and then switched to the kind of more sports. And now I'm going back into trad climbing. And I think one of the coolest part about rock climbing is you have so many different like forms of climbing. You yeah. could do hardcore bouldering. You could do very easy trad climbing where you climb for like two days straight, you know? all easy moves so it doesn't really matter how like physical fit you are in climbing it just you need to find a climbing like type that's your style so yeah so you've climbed in what parts of the u.s or elsewhere where have you climbed um i've climbed in canada vietnam russia australia a little bit in puerto rico um all throughout like southern california yosemite that's not southern california but tahoe i'm really like a venture seeker like i love to travel and climb Um, more than try to get on the classics maybe a hard thing Uh, but yeah i would say my home crack is definitely joshua tree so i know that plays like the back of my hand nice and is this what you do full-time now between life and and uh yeah yep due to code i was working part time so i was trying to do my business and then i was doing trade shows as a side as like a rigger uh but due to covid i now i'm going all in on climb life which i kind of take as a blessing 
So even though I lost my job due to COVID, it really gave me more of a center mind of how to like help out other climbers get into climbing. So I'm really grateful for that. So, yeah, and that that's sort of the the tough thing for, I think for a lot of people because yeah. um, the what? last year, uh, it, it seems to be people have either like gotten in super shape or they've gone down like a dark spiral <laughs> you know what i mean like like it, it's been one of those things where when things are forced upon you, you sometimes it, it's that kick in the ass you need to sort of like go all in on your business or yep. the whole world falls apart <laughs> um and that's it, it, it's such a weird thing because i always say that like because this is technically a recession right yeah um like this is the most uneven recession of my lifetime right? 2008, we all got kicked in the pants. Uh, <laughs> you know, whereas this one, like you're doing better now than you did a year ago. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a bunch of savings, but she's still working. Um, mm -hmm. I'm doing better. But then there's people like whole businesses and sectors that are just wiped out. Like if you own a restaurant or a bar. Yep. You're like, it's not that you've taken a kick in the pants. It's like, it's almost like the world is actively out to destroy you. Yeah, yeah. And so then even just to get into new hobbies, right? Especially climbing, even outside of COVID, it's finding a good mentor. If you want yep. to go outdoors, that's hard. So I like that's what you offer is, you know, for people who want to go to new places, um, you can get people who are experienced, make some contacts, but how, how does somebody who's new at it, whether it be through Climb Life or what tips do you have for them to get into it? Um, the tips I would have is start light. You know, really um, try to figure out like where the good climbing spots are near your house. So kind of like Google, look around like, okay, I have a climbing spot within 30 minutes. So the first thing I would do is kind of like go out there, check it out yourself, just do hiking, you know, get get the hang of it, see what people are doing. And then the second thing I would do is probably definitely, I mean, gyms are kind of closed right now, but gyms are a really good way of kind of entering. But the problems, which I noticed with gyms is you kind of get stuck in the gym mentality. So a really good way I would say is actually like hiring a guide, whether climb life or AMGA guide, whoever you want these guides, they've been climbing for like 10 to 15 years. So they have all the like, they have all the knowledge and they have friendships and they can like introduce you to more people and they'll push you into climbing to try different things. Because if you start at the gym, I know it's like a lot of beginners just only go into bouldering and, they, and they, they get caught in that spiral of they only boulder for like five years straight. But there's so much more forms of climbing. So that's something like I know is a lot of guides will teach you how to get into trad and stuff like that um and then the second thing i would say is like wait on buying your shoes and harnesses because that kind of costs a lot of money so if you go with the guy they're going to tell you what is a good harness what's a good shoes um and yeah just kind of start with the basics you know kind of like a tool a week or a tool every two weeks that's something like you kind of do in construction where you instead of spending all your money and paying like two thousand bucks for all this gear just pay 50 bucks for a harness, pay 50 bucks for used shoes, you know, like don't buy new stuff, except for harnesses, buy new harnesses, but the shoes go with something new. So you can like save some money, mm -hmm. see if you really like it, you know, 
um because one of the most frequently asked questions i get is like hey um i go to a guide i like what i learn i bought my shoes i bought my harnesses i want to start going on my own and they're like i'm thinking about using facebook and it's like yeah facebook is a really good way of finding partners the one thing is though if you're very beginning you need to know like the five basics thing of like how to check your gear, how the anchors are, you know, like route finding, uh, make sure you know what your climbing grade is. And until you really learn that, you shouldn't be going with other people. Oh, and belaying, belaying mm-hmm. and communication. Because like if you've only climbed two times and you go off climbing with someone off Facebook and you're like, oh, I'm very good. And then you start belaying them. You're actually putting the experienced climber in the, like a dangerous spot yeah. and vice versa. Um, so I would really say like really learn from a mentor and really think of it as like a tool that you can use in your life. Because the mentor I've seen, it took me like three years to get like on a bigger wall. Um, but I've seen climbers with eight months or six months climbing some pretty big walls without a guide. And they were able to do that because they had the right mentors to get them into climbing. So, wow. uh, and yeah, and then also learn the tools. So you need to know mountain project, you need to know Facebook groups, you need to know, you know, all these different tools. And I think we're very lucky nowadays that we have so much like tools, devices, new gear that like in a week I could climb some of the best things with like a click of a button just by connecting with people. So I'm very excited what's going to be happening like with climbing. And I hope in the climbing future that we start like expanding instead of everyone going to like one crag, let's go to like 40 different crags, you know, cause like, yeah. Oh, go on. What are you doing, sir? as you said, spread it out a little bit, spread it out. Exactly. Cause everyone knows one crag, but someone else might know like, eight more cracks because i've been a joshua tree and you might see like six places where people climb but there's thousands of routes you know they're just empty daily so how often do you go by other groups of people climbing and you see like inexperience they shouldn't be doing they shouldn't be here they're making mistakes they're putting others yeah. how often do, does that happen percentage wise i would say daily i would say i, I couldn't even give but if you go to Crag, you'll probably see at least one out of five climbers making mistakes. Um, but it also depends where you're at, too. Like, when I went out to Squamish, I saw a lot of people who really knew how to climb. Mm-hmm. When I'm in Southern California, we just don't have, like, a great, like, climbing community. Like, we have a lot of really good climbers, but it's not, like, honed in like Squamish where everyone climbs and you know, Colorado. So different areas have different levels. Like Utah, I feel like the climbers are way more experienced. So. Yeah, because that's sort of one of the biggest things that that I try to get across to new climbers is that uh, you're not going to be ready to climb on your own um, unless you've like done really comprehensive and relatively expensive like courses with guides, you know, where, where you're working, uh, you know, all of those basic skills from anchor building to belaying to sport climbing and clipping and, you know, uh, self-rescue. And there's all of these different skills you need 
to safely be able to climb or yeah. be the leader. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, so I try to convey to people that it it's not a uh, a weekend kind of thing, and boom, you're ready for anything. Um, you know, I've been doing it now. Like this summer will be 36 years, and I'm still learning stuff. Right. Obviously, I'm able to climb on my own, but so it's not going to take that long. But but that idea that, um, you know, making those climbing friends uh, so that that you're not the one having to be responsible for everything for a while. Yeah. And you can learn from them um, because it takes a while to get to the point where, you know, you're ready for the responsibility of everybody else's safety. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. 100%. Explain what Climb Life is. Climb Life is an app and website. Right now we're pushing people onto the website because we're doing some new builds. But essentially kind of like the idea is kind of like Uber for climbing guides in a weird sense. Um, so meaning if you're like a climbing guide, you can go on there and you have a profile. And then we just added in a new feature called Instaclimb where if you're a new user, you just hit like Instaclimb and then you say, I want to go climbing this date at this time. Um, put in all the details, you know, you put like, I'm a beginner, this, etc. Then that shoots a, a email and text message to every guide in the location within a hundred miles. Then the guide will be able to reply back to um, the climber with the press. So then we, um, and then the climber can choose which guide they want to climb with. And we have a review system. We have rating. We double check every guide. Um, so, yeah, we make sure that they're good. So. so they all have their certification. They're all like they work for. So we do we do it by like two different yeah. ways. Uh, one, we do our own like validation. Like we do our own checkup, make sure that they're good. Um, and then we also have a thing where if you're like AMGA, you can actually hit upload. And then on the climber's profile, it'll say AMGA certified. So that's how you can kind of tell, or like um, the other guide certification, but AMGA is kind of like the big one in America. Yeah. So that's one way how you can tell. Um, and it varies in different situations too. So, yeah. Yeah, so aside from obviously finding a mentor, uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, starting in a gym, what are some other things you would suggest for people if they want to learn more about climbing, like becoming, you know, expand their knowledge base? Oh, YouTube. YouTube's super good. Um, I would say you want to learn your knots good. I mean, learn at least the figure eight, the overhand um, knot, how to tie two ropes together. Uh, look up rappelling, know how to do a stop or not. Um, but I would definitely say like YouTube helps a lot. Follow the great people in climbing. So whoever's really good is going to really help you out. You know, like you choose like with Instagram, I, I mainly use Instagram or YouTube, but I'll follow Adam Andra because he's the best climber like in technical stuff. And then I watch like Alex Honnold because he gets me stoked. If I want to do some soloing, you shouldn't solo for at least five years or 10 years. Um, but yeah, I would just say like follow certain people and see who's helping out people, you know, be like, 
YouTube it, look up these knots. Cause there's like 10 different knots you can use for climbing or like hundreds of different knots you can use for climbing, but you really only need to figure out like one way to do it and master that. And mm-hmm. then once you master your knot, choose another knot and master that. Cause yeah. I've gone up climbs with just like two knots before, like, you know? So. Yeah. Cause fundamentally, obviously if you can tie in, uh, excuse me. Um, Obviously, clove hitch is useful if on multi-pitch because that's what I'll tether myself with. Uh, and then most everything else is like, you know, an overhand or figure eight when you're making anchors. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think um, I'm hesitant to go by myself or, I mean, not my, like being responsible with somebody else. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I had a fear of heights, by the way. <laughs> so I, I've gotten over it, but, you know, so maybe that just helps get settled context but um yeah there's something to be said like when you're in the desert uh even if it's in the shoulder season is the heat right so being able to master a knot even when you're tired you know and you're not necessarily thinking clearly um i think is really important i think people underestimate the conditions especially if they're not from the area Mm -hmm. yeah i would definitely agree with you on that one (laughs) Um, so so uh obviously you mentioned like finding partners. Um, Mm -hmm. So any tips for like a new ish climber um, on how you find like judge if the person you're prospectively partnering up with um, knows what they're doing. Like if you're fairly new, you don't know enough uh, to do it on your own. Yeah. I would say really look at their photos really. Um, so you can go on Facebook or Instagram and you can do a pretty thorough background. If you see them like 500 feet up in like multiple photos, not like just one photo or like five photos of the same rock that they posted, mm-hmm. you know, for six months straight, <laughs> you know, the people joking. Um, but really look to see, and you can kind of tell like if this person's at Yosemite, if this person's at Red Rocks, Squamish, you can kind of get a really good feeling. Um, so just kind of do a quick background check and then, you know, they don't have to be up like big walls. Like some people just like to boulder and you can just look at like bouldering picks and look at craft pads. And then like, even if anyone wants to message me, like I'm, my Instagram's OG climb life. And also on my website, when you sign up, we actually talk to you like individually one-on-one uh just so you have any questions to ask us so like if you're nervous you can even use us to be like hey is this do you think this partner is good and then i could look at their profile i could even give them a phone call or something and just ask them a couple basic questions um so yeah yeah that'd be super helpful for people because that that's you and i can look at you know uh, or talk to somebody and know if they know what they're talking about Yep. But when you get somebody new, it's one of those things. They don't have enough knowledge to be able to know if the person that they might go out with is safe. Yeah. Uh, you know, like we, I, I, not just me, but like a bunch of my friends, we kind of jokingly call uh, uh, the person who's like going to go climb. And some of my friends are like this uh, with like randos, <laughs> um, you know, kind of belay sluts. It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll climb with anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's always kind of rolling the dice a little bit. 
you know. Uh, yeah. Because a Grigri can't fix everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> Until they make the self belay, <laughs> we still have to use humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you talked about you'd like to go on adventures when you travel. Talk a bit about that. Oh, I just love traveling. Like, I love trying new food. Like, uh, one of my major goals was to climb Vietnam, Halong Bay. Uh, there's a really famous free soloist like Matt Bush, and he does a really cool speech where he said like he got past his free to make him like free solo well, he climbed at Halong Bay. So let me just give you a little background on Halong Bay. It's these giant like little islands that are like 50 feet up, and it's all rock, all like vertical or overhanging, and it's some of the best limestone like I've ever climbed on. And you start climbing on it, and when you fall down, you land in water. And these islands are just like everywhere. Like they're just like you. Uh, you're in this like little canoe thing, and you like go maybe like hundred, three hundred yards, and you're at a new island. And mm-hmm. uh, the climbing's just like spectacular. Like, um, and I got really lucky on that, that trip because I went there very dumb. Like I normally I'm one fifty, and I cut weight till about 137 and the first hold up and the first day i was there i ate a bunch of oysters and i got a very bad case of food poisoning and i dropped down to 124 in two days oh wow so yeah when i started climbing i was flashing 513s because within two days i lost all that weight and then the third day i had a lot of stoke so i was going to climb and since I didn't work the plane, I think I did about six five thirteens, like on site. I was stoked. I was like flashing twelves and I was like, Woo. So <laughs> yeah, like traveling's just such a cool way of just like opening up the mind and seeing new possibilities. Like when I climbed in Russia, um, I got to climb at this place where it's like all marble and it was like the weirdest, slickest climbs ever. And is fantastic yeah where where else what's on your bucket list where else do you want to go yeah there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot oh i think does brazil have any good climbing brazil has a lot yeah like in uh rio or rio because my family in rio they have those big boulders really yeah oh yeah it it, it looks very um yeah yeah well and then when you get obviously they're not very accessible but there's the tapuis which are the quartzite like um cloud islands right like the it's what the lost world um, uh, is based on but what you end up with is these uh alex honnold was just down there like with national geographic but uh basically it's these like vertical um rock towers that have an entirely different ecosystem on top of them because they've been separated from the bottom of the jungle for 40 million years uh and the only uh because obviously everything down there is like so lush and green um it's only overhanging rock that you can really climb because anything vertical will end up with plants all over it uh, yeah, you know, really kind of fascinating um, uh, 
you know, basically sort of these different areas. Now it's brutal to get to because you gotta. You this know. is in Brazil. Uh, right at the corner of Venezuela, Brazil, and Guyana. Because there's one of these tapuis that actually marks the cross borders of all three of them. Okay. Um, and uh, that's sort of where they were that's for cool. this. But but these are all like there's a whole chunk of them in the jungle there. Yeah. So is this on your bucket list? No, I hate the jungle. <laughs> I hate bugs. And right? it doesn't like sweating. Like, and I sweat my ass off anyway. So, yeah. like, my favorite place on earth is the U.S. Southwest, right? Really? Right, because whether it's you know, obviously, anything in southern Utah is amazing. Like from In Creek over to Zion, um, you know, like. I was talking, we were, we did a backpacking trip down there a few years ago and mm -hmm. talking to somebody at like an outdoor school, outdoor store in like, they only have one store, but in Escalante, um, just a tiny little town there. Um, and I was saying like, has anybody developed any climbing mm -hmm. on 50 mile Ridge? Um, uh, because it's like a 15 foot or 15 foot, 1500 foot high, um, 50 mile long cliff. Whoa. Right. And he's like, nah, it's too much of a pain to go back. Cause you know, there's a, like a, a five mile crossing the desert, like from the main road to get to it. Okay. Uh, and it's like, ah, now we got so much other stuff. We just haven't got around to it. Right. Like when you have a 50 mile long cliff <laughs> that uh, it's too far to get to, like, it's too much trouble. Cause we have so much other rock. <laughs> you know it's like like why would you walk five miles yeah that that's a next week project you know yeah uh, you know but that's the thing it's like utah is just amazing i love red rocks uh, yeah you know well because the thing you run into is they're just between red rocks and mount charleston uh you've got so much great climbing yeah. it's super accessible um it's beautiful uh and unless you're getting on kind of like one of the, the moderate trade routes, uh, mm -hmm. it's never that busy. Like we did cat in the hat one day. So we had to wait in line. Yeah. And it was funny because oh, it was, yeah. it was French Canadians because we're from Canada. Um, it was French Canadian <laughs> line in front of us. Yeah. There are a lot of Canadians there actually. That yeah. was funny. Like half the um, climbers camp was Canadian license plates. Canadians, yeah. We, uh, that was my first hundred footer at Shakespeare's wall. Is that what yeah. it was in Red Rocks? Um, that was cool because like I said, I, I had this irrational fear of heights before. It was the first time that I'm climbing it. And I, and my, our friends got a photo of this, which was awesome because it's so easy there. Um, and you can hardly see me. I'm like a speck, right? Yeah. Um, view. But it was just a, such a beautiful day. It was just a nice breeze. And it was just so, I was just so focused for the first time, first time, just focused on what was here. Didn't look at the sharp rocks down below or, or even try and test my rope, you know, making sure my harness and everything's good. <laughs> um, but, and then we did Cat in a Hat. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Classic. Yeah. So um, I think we only got up to 500. Um, yeah, basically, we, we didn't end up doing the last pitch because there was a lineup for it. There was a lineup, and yeah. I was a little scared. Um, I was not comfortable. It took me a 
<laughs> I think a couple of days to get over. I was a really good climbing. Like there was three of us. I didn't know a thing that I was doing. <laughs> you did. You just don't remember anything. No, no, no. What I mean, <laughs> no, but I had, I even had my belay device that one time on backwards. Well, that was for repelling. Yeah. Well, that's not good. Anyway. Well, it still works. So I really didn't know what I, I just know how to climb. Like, don't ask me to tie anything like, and, and that was fine. I, that was not my responsibility, but I realized real quick. And, and, you know, given my thing of heights, I was pretty good. Like I, I did what I was told to do. We had to backtrack and go, we were kind of like um, exposed. We had to kind of put our feet in the little thing. And, and he's just like, and he's all worried if I fall, like I'm going to go swing. I'm like, oh, well, who cares? <laughs> you know, just go with the flow. It'll be fun. I'm just telling myself, right? So I think as yeah. an experienced climber, it was really just pleasant, like really great to see that there were so many climbs I could do and yeah. have a lot of fun. Yeah. I did have. So, did you do the traverse pitch, pitch four at all? Yeah. Or did you guys? Okay, so you made it there. Yeah, it was, it was basically just pitch six we didn't do. Okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. You know, because it was just, there was like four groups ahead of us and it was other people already rappelling down. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, so and, how, how was it like conquering your fear? Was it just like you stayed so focused climbing or did you have to like I, uh, really sit back? Well, obviously when we're at that stage, because that was my first time going from a hundred footer <laughs> to the next day. whatever, right? Yeah, <laughs> next yeah. day. Um, and by the way, the next day, I think I went to the spa. Like I don't normally do that. <laughs> yeah, she ditched us and went to I'm the like, spa. I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> like, I need to take a break. <laughs> Um, and Ryan was nervous too, but he, he's just quiet. I'm not, <laughs> I'm getting a little bit more, but you know what? I don't lose my shit when we're in those circumstances. I want him to be as comfortable and focused on keeping us safe and keeping our rope, like rope management, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. You know yeah. Cause I mean? the thing is I'm leading it. I'm the only one with anything to worry about. And yeah. I that's what I always say. It's like if, if, if I'm out climbing with people, when I'm if worried I'm not, about, if yeah, I'm but not if something worried, happens to you, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Well, Ryan did. <laughs> we do, not, he is search and rescue, so that's good. We have that on our side. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that it came down to it was. I mean, I learned on the spot that when it when it calls for being calm, I was calm. Um, I wasn't comfortable. You know, I mean, we've climbed 800 feet in Adirondacks. It was just a lap. And I was like Frankenstein doing that, right? Because I was so, yeah. and I didn't want to touch that. Or I, I don't know what I said. I think it, that took me about a day and a half to get over because I was so, so much. Yeah, but then, and, and there's a free soloist coming up be, right beside us at the hardest part. And I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, because, oh you know, like it's, it's a five, six slab, like down in the Adirondacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so it was a case where like people do laps of it. Yeah. Running shoes. Yeah. Like, and he was on like the Sunday, best Sunday, best shirt and a hat. Like, yeah. He, he had just, like a short sleeve button up shirt, you know, like he wasn't yeah. even like had a little fanny pack on. Yeah. <laughs> just a crusher. Yeah. yeah what? So that made me nervous. And, um, but I decided about a month and a half later, let's go back and do it and do it again. And, um, it was good. It was easy. It was, it was easier. I was more relaxed. So I, I've, I've learned a lot about 
Yeah, I, I how do you conquer your fear? You just um, the more you can just focus on the wall. I know that everything's safe, right? Like that that's obviously very important. But listening, like I, if I'm scared, and I told him, I'm like, I'm I'm done. Like, just be kind and <laughs> polite. I'm done. <laughs> Whatever we can do to go. Like I want to go down. Like I'm yeah. And he respects that. He'll push me a little bit, but not too much because yeah. he knows that you know. Because yeah. I need somebody to climb with next weekend. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Because obviously, with you right now climbing down in Zion, you were saying like you, you're looking to do moonlight, uh, but you got to find a partner. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the trick is because if you're going to free climb, it, it's a moderately hard climb, and somebody's got to be able to climb uh, like five, twelve crack climbs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's one of those things where for that, how would you go about vetting somebody? That is a lot more harder. Whenever I'm pushing myself to like the limit of my climbing, um, so I probably would try to like free climb it. Um, it just takes it to a whole different level because you want a climbing partner that's fast, that's knows how to like climb hard, is skilled. So that's, uh, in my opinion, that's one of the hardest things in climbing. And that's kind of why I built Climb Life is to hopefully help create that dot, uh, like to create that final plug. It's not just for a beginner. It'll eventually be for advanced climbers too. Because right now we're more primarily for beginners, but eventually I want to make it where you know who the advanced climber is and you know you can just get it like that day, you know, that they're ready. Um, so yeah, the, the reason why I actually made climb life was because I was doing trade shows, um, every week I would be in a different town, different city. And that was the hardest part was trying to find a good partner. You know, like you can read a guidebook, but it's not going to belay you. It's, it's very easy to get lost on a route, you know, like, um, obviously like, you know, your friend, not your friend, but the booty you found the gear. 20 feet to the right that person would have been safe you know 20 you know even like a five foot difference on a route would lead you to a potential deadly fall so that's why i think like guides and people that know the area are extremely good mm -hmm. um, so right now i have a huge contact of friends that climb so i'm basically today shooting out all my text messages to my friends to see who can take me out climbing and i have their experience level like pretty much like written down or memorized so i know which friends is capable of belaying me on moonlight buttress mm -hmm. and who will be able to pull up there with me because someone could be really good at climbing but if they're gonna have to like aid or jumar the whole thing it, it won't be as fun so i want to get someone who's also going to attempt to like free climb the whole thing with me mm -hmm. uh we'll do moonlight so certain climbs just have a very you have a very small margin of who can actually climb with you i wish i could call up alex Arnold and be like hey let's do it but he'll be like no ropes and i'll be like ah <laughs> you know <laughs> so it's a very, very small margin if i'm not mistaken like that was one of his first big free solos yeah yeah you know and that, like that to me that's insane right because obviously the rock is it's good rock but it's still sandstone 
you know, so shit does break off, <laughs> you yeah. know, Yosemite ran it. But, but the fact that like he cruised it, his big issue was trying to find his way down. <laughs> you know, he's got all these stories about getting stuck up at the top and like not knowing the route down. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> like the getting up part was easy for him, you know, relatively speaking. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's insane. <laughs> so you said that you free solo as well? I do a little bit, not like not Honol level, but what I was gonna say to you, like when you saw the soloist, I I hate watching people free solo. I I don't like to do it. I don't like to see it. But yeah. when I actually do it, it's like I don't mind it. You know. Well, because you're in control of your own actions. Yeah, yeah. But I also I don't like to do it in front of people either. It's just kind of like uh, courtesy, you know. Um, yeah, I just said he offered us to go. I'm like, no, no, you go. You, well, you, you, you need to go. <laughs> like, and I came, but I'm a little bit um, probably more sensitive than most people because, like, I remember in California there was this like little um, viewing platform, and these kids were standing on the railing, and it was super windy. And he was like doing the whole Titanic thing because it was winning, holding himself against the wind. But if the wind wasn't there, he was going to fall like 300, 400 feet. You know. And I just, I was like, and I was safe on the ground on the, you know, and I'm just hanging on like, it just, it just really extreme anxiety. So um, yeah, I just can't, like, I can't even, I had trouble walking on a glass floor of like a big oh. tower like that. Yeah. It's like hard. Um, even though there's insurance and there's, yeah, it's engineered. <laughs> it's engineered. So it's really irrational. Um, so I think for me, the way I got into it, if, you know, for people who are listening is, you know, bouldering, right. And even doing that at my age, I'm 46. So, you know, you have injuries, you worry about falling and twisting the angle, your knee, whatever. Right. And now mm -hmm. at the point, after three years, it's just funny how there's almost like this, um, tolerance for fear that just diminishes. And it doesn't matter if it's been like eight months since you've climbed, I went back to the gym, did something. And I, I was actually more, um, fearless. You know, it's almost like I grew and because, hmm? oh, because you've been climbing outside? Not at all. No, oh. maybe just that pause. I went back and um, maybe because I forgot what it was like to approach it. But I, I try and approach climbs now childlike. I pretend I'm a kid at a playground. Yeah. I'm excited to be here and it could scare the shit out of me, right? Um, yeah. You don't want to hit your face if it's if you're bouldering because we boulder a lot. Okay. Yeah. So that's usually the thing, and um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always I like to test my, my rope, but even this year we were in Quebec, and we were climbing outdoors, um, and I refused to test my harness, my rope, like hanging in it. Right. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I need to get over this. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. If you're gonna do that, do it close to the ground. <laughs> but none of that. Like we we're mil we're very militaristic about our you know safety lay on protocol. yeah safety protocols. Like nobody climbs until the other person yells, "Hey, lay on!" You know, okay, I'm climbing. Right? Like it's it's so strict, but it makes me feel better. Yeah, and, it, and it's one of those things. Even on short cliffs, you always knot the end of your rope. Irregardless, uh, yeah. You know, like there, there's just these things, if you just get into the habits, you, you reduce the risk dramatically, 
um, you know, even even sport climbing, like uh, don't be such a purist, like use a stick clip and first clip the first bolt, you know, yeah, like it's not worth broken ankles. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, you know, when, when we chatted a little while ago, because um, we were going to record this a few weeks ago, but you were working on a book. So yeah. Uh, even though it's not out yet, this is going to yeah. give you to finish it. Um, tell everybody what the book's about. Um, it's just a really good, like, how to get into climbing. It's a very basic, it's called How to Get Into Climbing, No BS. Uh, meaning this is very short, very simple. It's probably about, like, 20 to 30 pages. I just got to finish finalizing the page margins. Um and basically, it kind of tells you what gear you should get, what you should know before you start climbing outside, how to get into climbing. So I add in links. So it'd be like, here's the harness I buy. And then you use the QR code. You don't have to buy it, but at least you got like a picture. Mm -hmm. And then I say like, these are the basic knots you need to learn, the figure eight. And then there's a YouTube link right below it where you can click on it and you can see someone tying a figure eight. So you can learn. And then it has like people who you should follow in climbing, like Alex Honnold, these people really focusing on like how to get the most out of your climbing to also help you save a lot of money. So like the book will be like, you can get this. A lot of beginners get this, but then you're spending like 50 more dollars for a product. That's a lot more worse, you know? Um, so yeah, it's basically teaching them what to buy what to know before they climb and the different types of climbing with a bunch of YouTube videos, instructionals and who I recommend. So kind of a lot of my knowledge put into them. So instead of like the read should take them less than an hour, but then the video might be like four, like two hours, two to four hours. Um, but within that five hours, they don't need to spend like 20 hours searching for other things. You know, you don't need to spend like three hours looking for a harness. The only thing that you'll probably have to really look for is your shoes because climbing shoes, you have to try them on and really no, like no shoe fits the same, but just kind of like a basic beginner shoe. I really tell people buy use on these shoes, you know, because the worst thing you can do, and it probably happens to about 30% of people whenever they try a new sport, they buy a bunch of stuff. And within six months, they never use it once and they have to sell it. And you just yeah, lost it. Thing. It's like you buy it, you get into it, and then you're rebuying it. <laughs> and, uh, a yeah, because um, yeah, we'll, we'll basically, once you've got the book out, you'll let us know. We'll put the link <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, obviously we'll put a link to the article I wrote on how to get started climbing. Um, oh. And, and you've got some great YouTube videos. Yeah. Um, of going on adventures and some climbs. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, that's actually how Joe and I met, is he hired me to do some writing for him. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then it was like, he's like, you have a podcast. It's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, so here we are. Um, yeah. So, so uh, for the climbers who are listening, the more experienced climbers, um, What's your favorite harness? Um, I like the big wool harness. I think I use the big wool Metolius harness. 
Oh, okay. So I really like the the dual loops. I like the thicker pads. I don't really like the sport climbing harnesses, um, which is like kind of what they push onto the newer climbers. And my personal opinion is like the weight from the big wall harness to the sport climbing harness isn't really anything in my opinion. And it's just 10 times more comfortable. So that's like giant padded. The what? Yeah. Really well padded. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you prefer? Uh, right now I'm running the Petzl Ajama. Uh, It's kind of their trad, you know, bigger gear loops. Uh, Okay. Uh, and I really like the the solution guide from Black okay. Duck. Um, okay. You know, it's kind of like where they made the solution toughened or toughened it up a little bit, and then put bigger gear loops on it. Um, okay. Because Black Diamond's gear loops aren't big enough, but I love their gear loops. Mm. Okay. How come? Well. I find like with any of the, like the the U shape rather than because with the black diamonds they're like um, almost rectangular shape. Yeah, you have a flat section. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I find any that have kind of more of the 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 hammock looking or the droop, everything just all pools in the middle. Yeah, right? and so I find it's much easier to organize your nuts and cams and grab what you need. When it's not all sliding into each other. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Yeah, because that's what I run into with the Ajama. Like, yeah. they're, the gear loops are big, but everything slides forward. So it's very, okay. So then trying to get the right, you know, you know, nut or cam. Uh, it's like you're, you're sort of fighting with all your stuff, especially if you got nothing <laughs> on there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's my now. And, um, I, and and I like ones that are not expired, like oh, not twenty years old. She's just giving me shit because I thought I gave her one of my my I gave her my old harness, but I gave her my old old harness. Oh, okay. Orange, so I gave her my old Petzl Guru, which was twenty years old. Yeah, we went. Out, we were at a gym. The guy's like, "This is expired. You can't use this he's harness." Like, he's, he's like, and he's like having the same reaction I do when people like are on, you know, on, you know risk of hurting themselves and he's like please just take this one and use here's it. a poor again rental <laughs> so so it's one of those things like they were both orange i got confused <laughs> um so favorite climbing shoes um that's i wear about three different shoes so um it really just depends on the type oh, of wall type of climbing track shoes like crack climbing track shoes Crack, I would say TC Pro, um, for sure. I actually, I met Alex Honnold once, and I was talking to him about finger cracks, and he's like, just get the TC Pros. They're like the best thing for Yosemite. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, they are are legit. Yeah. And the the other shoe I wear is the 510 Anasagis, like the gray ones. Uh, That's kind of like my everyday comfort shoes. And then I use Evolve Oracles. Uh, for like very hard sport climbing, kind of overhanging stuff. So, but I'm constantly trying on different shoes and trying on different things, just because I like to like variety the stuff up. So, mm. yeah. So, so, 
now basically Catherine will be super happy because we've kept this for about an hour because I tend to be super long winded. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're keeping to a schedule, making it, you know, somewhat punctual <laughs> nowadays. Um, so Joe, thank you very much. Um, if people want to follow you, where can they find you? Uh, they could follow us on Instagram, OG Climb Life. Um, What's your YouTube channel as well? So what YouTube, uh, just Climb Life. So. And it's a dragonfly, so uh, I like dragonflies. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So for anybody, if they want to, once you can travel, everybody, um, you know, if you want to hook up with people in different areas to climb with, go on Climb Life. Uh, you know, it's a really cool idea of of connecting climbers with climbers, um, or even in just in your own backyard. Yeah. You know, yeah. to find partners. Right. Like it's so it, it, in a sense, you can be kind of like the climbing Uber and Tinder. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to start like a dating section to it, too. Um, that's where the money is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that the, the climbing dating site, because climbers aren't social. Well, they're social people, but only with other climbers, because like every weekend, what are you going to do? You're going to go climb. If you want yeah. to romance life, you better find another climber. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I found you your million dollar idea right there. <laughs> We're not, I'm going to do a pivot 180 and go straight to climb Tinder. <laughs> well, hey, I would just build it in. It's just another option for you. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, thanks. It was really awesome chatting with you and learning more. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah and buy and say hi yeah once we can travel again <laughs> yeah yeah um yep <laughs> <laughs> well listen hopefully you find a partner to do moonlight awesome awesome climb yeah everybody check the show notes um on how to connect up with joe and get into climbing because yeah COVID, you can't do anything else get outside have sure. fun yeah. yeah feel free to ask me any questions so if you're a new climber advanced climber anything so Cool, cool. Yeah. All right. So until next time. Lay dirty. Bye. Lay dirty. Lay dirty. See you guys soon.